Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where if you haven't been tracking the flight path of LeBron James' private jet from Cleveland to Miami to Anguilla, which is in the Caribbean, all the way back to Venice in Los Angeles, then you have not been doing the last day of June right. Welcome to Free Agency. Welcome to the Lakers' biggest day since, I don't know, since forever. It's a great feeling. Uh, surprise, there is going to be a Lakers Legacy Podcast episode. I totally understand that at this point, this episode is going to have a shelf life of about 30 minutes before something crazy breaks, a trade happens, and all that stuff. But we wanted to do you a service as Lakers Legacy fans and Lakers Legacy listeners to at least put up a an extra surprise Lakers Legacy Free Agency Eve Part 3 episode right before Everything goes to hell at 9 p.m. Pacific time tonight, and teams will be calling players. Palinka and Magic will probably split duties talking to both LeBron James and Paul George. I mean, it's going to be absolute mayhem, and we wanted to make sure that we'd at least cover the the lead-up to those events and give you guys something to listen to while you're stuck on Twitter eating your pizza and doing the whole tweets a thing and strapping on for dear life. And because we're gracing your day with this extra surprise pre-free agency episode, if you could be so kind as to rate and review us on iTunes and also follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod during this very momentous time in Lakers history, we would very much appreciate that. You know, we've pumped out about three episodes this week and it'll probably be even more as news breaks and free agency gets underway. And if you've enjoyed our content, if if you've enjoyed listening to us and riffing with us and talking 
talking to us on Twitter. Please follow us there at Lakers Legacy Pod and please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps us gain exposure, helps us know you're listening first and foremost. And we're glad to have you guys along the ride these last these last three years that we've been doing this podcast. So yeah. Um, with that said, obviously Tommy and Alan aren't with me right now for this opening segment. I just wanted to get you guys caught up on everything that's happened this Saturday morning. At the time of this recording, it's 1.27 p.m. Um, I'm just going to get you guys all caught up and give you guys my thoughts on where things are headed. And then right after that, I have a segment that I've pre-recorded with Tommy where we talk about our thoughts on LeBron James coming to the Lakers and the cognitive dissonance that exists between Lakers fans and LeBron James, especially as, especially because Lakers fans are also Kobe Bryant fans, and there has long been a lot of competition and rivalry between Kobe and LeBron. And now that LeBron is almost a near certainty at this point to become a Los Angeles Laker, we kind of dig into our personal subject subjective feelings on what LeBron coming to the Lakers means for us, how we've been able to wrap our heads around it, and just the fun that it that we're having knowing that the entire NBA landscape, NBA Twitter, the media, how they've all been triggered the last few months and what it'll mean once LeBron is actually on the Lakers and people can no longer make fun of us and trash us and kick us while we're down. So that segment is coming up just shortly. Uh, speaking of LeBron James, he he has landed in Venice in Los Angeles. The Twitter community is second to none in terms of sleuthing and st- stalking people. I mean, at this point, it is really, it, it, it's almost a little creepy. It, it, it is definitely creepy seeing people track LeBron's flight path and whether or not he made it past the rain in Dallas along the way. But yes, he's landed safely. The King is here in his Los Angeles home. Obviously, he lives here in the summer, so... But the fact that he is back in Los Angeles for the start of free agency, I mean, you already know where this is going. We have been saying for the last, you know, three episodes that LeBron James is 100% coming here and nothing has changed in that respect. In fact, the Lakers odds of getting LeBron at this point is minus 5,000. And that means you have to bet $5,000 to win 100 bucks, which means it is very, very likely that LeBron James is coming to the Lakers. We don't know how quickly he's going to commit or make that official, but who knows? Maybe it'll happen as soon as 9.01 p.m. tonight, and that'll sure as hell be a sigh of relief because we are all still having PTSD from 9.01 p.m. Eastern time call to Timothy Mozgov back in 2016. So if LeBron can erase that from our memories and give us our redemption, wow, what a redemption story that would be, the return of the king. So yeah. LeBron's back. I think it would behoove him and the Lakers both to make a decision quickly because from there, then other free agent guys like Paul George, DeMarcus Cousins, DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul can make their decisions pretty easily as well. And not only that, but the Lakers can have some leverage against San Antonio by saying, hey, LeBron's here. Uh, Give us Kawhi Leonard or we'll just wait for next year or we'll move on to our next target. So yeah, it would behoove the Lakers and LeBron to strike quickly, but we'll see if he actually does that. Speaking of which, the Lakers just waived Thomas Bryant, and this news came shortly after they guaranteed Ivica Zubac's contract. Uh, obviously, a lot of people, including myself, speculated immediately that that the Lakers likely guaranteed Zubac's contract to eventually ship off in a trade, 
And in that event, they'd probably need to clear additional cap space. And unfortunately, Thomas Bryant is the collateral damage and all of that. Now, if another team, whoever the Lakers are potentially going to trade with, if that team had preferred Thomas Bryant instead, then we likely would have seen the exact opposite. Them guaranteeing Thomas Bryant's contract and Zubat's getting waived. Now, the timing of this is extra interesting because the Lakers had until July 5th to extend their decision on whether to waive or guarantee Thomas Bryant's contract. So they could have pushed that date back. And given the fact that they have long been lauding Thomas Bryant's work ethic and effort and just his skill and talent in the G League, including this offseason, it's a little peculiar that they would guarantee Zubats instead and waive Thomas Bryant so early when they still have a couple days if they want it to make that decision. Which leads me to... Maybe a trade is going to happen soon. Maybe Zubats is going in a Luau Dang dump-off deal along with another first-round pick. Or maybe Luau Dang is going to the San Antonio Spurs in a larger package for Kawhi Leonard. Who knows? In fact, by the time this episode comes out, maybe that deal's already been done and all everything I'm saying is obsolete already. But all that to say, very interesting moves that are happening from the Lakers leading up to free agency. And obviously, all of this is coming together in the most epic and lit way possible. I, I don't know what I'm going to do at 9 p.m. tonight because I'm going to be with my girlfriend. I'm going to have to make some excuse that I, I need to take a huge poop for the next hour or something. I don't know. Um, but I'll definitely have to plan around that a little bit while also trying to be conscientious to my girlfriend. Um, but with that said, I mean, that's the biggest news right now. The only other thing kind of lingering would be the Paul George drama and Ramona Shelburne recently coming out and saying that she thinks Paul George is leaning leaning to stay with Oklahoma City Thunder. And at this point, um, him coming to the Lakers would be a Hail Mary. Um, My only last thought on that would be, if you're into conspiracy theories, I think that it it has to, the lining up of events has to go this way. I think LeBron James has to commit and sign with the Lakers first. And then that will pave the way to Paul George coming and signing with the Lakers. Right now, I think everything he's done, including the documentary and series he put out on ESPN, has, you know, maybe there's some truth to him leaning towards Oklahoma City. But I think he's also trying to paint this whole narrative that this decision was so tough on him, that it was so close, and... Everything he said in his documentary is true. He wants to win, right? And right now, the LeBron James to Lakers thing is still theoretical, even though at this point it's almost a done deal and is the the worst kept secret in the the league. But it still hasn't happened yet. Until it happens, Paul George will always say, I'm going to go to Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook because he gives me the best chance to win right now. But the minute that LeBron James signs with the Lakers, Paul George will no longer be able to say that and he'll actually have an excuse to give Oklahoma City Thunder fans if that's who he's pandering to right now. He'll have an excuse and say, hey, I'm pivoting at the last moment because back then I did not know that LeBron James for sure was going to go to the Los Angeles Lakers, even though we know that's a little questionable. Um, But once LeBron James actually signs, Paul George will have all the ammo he needs to say, look, I was leaning towards Oklahoma City, you know, during the days leading up to free agency, but Once LeBron James signed with the Lakers, and after I had my meeting with Majinka, that immediately changed my mind. It made it a lot closer, and at the 11th hour, I had to pivot and go with the Lakers. So I think that could be an explanation of what's going on. Obviously, it might not be as conspiracy theory as all of that or as as well thought out as that, but you never know. 
who who knows what'll happen? I just know that the lining up of events will probably have to go. LeBron signs first. PG has his meeting with Magic and Palinka and LeBron, and then he pivots and says, I'm signing with the Lakers. Because you know that tweet is gonna come out eventually where once he has his sit down with Magic Johnson, it's gonna come out. You're gonna see that tweet from Ramona or Woj, and it's gonna read it's gonna pretty much read as Paul George and Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka had a very intense meeting, and now Paul George has a lot to think about. It's a lot closer than we than we ever expected. And then from there, he's probably going to pivot to the Lakers. So we'll see if that happens. Um, obviously, if he signs immediately with Oklahoma City Thunder, or even doesn't even hold a meeting, a pitch meeting with the Lakers, then then yeah, then maybe he was always going to Oklahoma City all along. But right now, at best or at worst, I still think it's a 50-50 decision on his end. Or, or 60-40, maybe he's leaning towards Oklahoma City. And like I've been saying, the true, the, the, the true telling point is going to be when the pitch meeting happens and whether or not LeBron James has signed yet. So obviously keep a lookout for that. Uh, with that said, yeah, I will switch it over now to my talk with Tommy where we pretty much just kind of shoot the shit about LeBron James becoming a Laker, what that means for the rest of the NBA, what that means for us as Lakers fans, how we've been able to how we've been able to wrap our heads around LeBron becoming a Laker, even when some at some point during our fanhood, we hated LeBron James because he was in direct opposition to Kobe Bryant. Um, and also what that means for a lot of Lakers haters who have used these last few years to kick us while we're down. Like, what are they going to do now that they don't have or now that they don't have ammo to actually throw at us and they're actually going to have to, uh oh, actually praise us. So the, the tide is turning here, and our next segment talking all about LeBron James to the Lakers and the cognitive dissonance that may exist with that pairing. Hopefully, you guys find it interesting, and we will see you on the other side of free agency. May the odds be ever in our favor. So with that said, I'm going to turn it over to my conversation with Tommy talking about LeBron James in the purple and gold. Hope you guys enjoy, and happy NBA free agency eve. Happy NBA free agency. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Who's the best player in the NBA? Um, Kobe Bryant. Better than you? I would have to say right now. He's a really, really good player. Um, individually, he has some of the best skills um, that the NBA has ever seen in history. Um, and He's shown year after year after year why he continues to be one of the best players in our league. I'm getting better, though. All right, so LeBron James. You know, we've talked about LeBron James a lot, but we haven't really delved into the cognitive dissonance that Lakers fans may be feeling with him being in the purple and gold becoming more and more a reality. And we haven't particularly given our own thoughts on how we feel about that. And not only the subjective feelings that come with that, but obviously the objective feelings of what will he do when he is a Laker and what is he going to do with the roster? How is that fit going to look like? Are there 
potential negatives to having such an overpowering force come in where you know that everything is going to orbit around him and he becomes the solar system of everything. So first, though, I wanted to touch upon, Tommy, I don't know if you're feeling it right now, but uh, the rest of the NBA, it seems like non-Lakers Twitter in particular is feeling very triggered at this moment. I think the more and more it becomes a reality that maybe there's feet to this LeBron to Lakers stuff. Uh, man, they are getting very defensive, very insecure. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on that, including the fact that recently I've gotten into some Twitter arguments with people who incorrectly feel that the LeBron James to Lakers hype is just exactly that, that it's just hype. Saying things like, why would LeBron go to the Lakers? Where is this coming from? It's just Lakers exceptionalism and popularity that's pushing these narratives. What do you think about people who are saying that and can't wrap their heads around just the objective fact that the Lakers have the most cap space and that even if LeBron James gets Paul George and they're still surrounded by young guys, the Lakers still offer them flexibility? We don't have to get into the specifics of that, but just the thought that there are just these people who are triggered that are saying, is this just another Lakers hype train going on, this LeBron to Lakers stuff? Because it's hilarious that after we we saw some of those tweets that Immediately after that, we see Woj saying that the Lakers have the easiest time to get LeBron James. We see Vegas odds continuing to favor the Lakers more and more to the point where it's not even a good bet to pick the Lakers. You're gonna, you're probably going to lose money <laughs> if that actually happens. You got people like Chris Broussard and Brian Windhorst, of all people, turning on their opinions of whether the Lakers could be an actual destination. We got that Scottie Pippen video clarifying that, yes, LeBron James' son uh, is enrolled to Sierra Canyon High School along with Gary Payton's son and Pippen on air with Rachel Nichols kind of smirking and saying, "Uh, I can't say that anything's official. I can't say it's not happening, not to say it won't happen. But I mean, just all of that. Clearly, we as Lakers Twitter do not have the power to influence all of these outside forces, and we're not the ones pushing this LeBron thing. It's it's really the outside media for the first time. So your thoughts on just, like, people getting triggered by all the LeBron to Lakers stuff? Yeah, I think it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I get it, right? Like, I think we it's just interesting for us right now uh, because we have not been in this situation for a while. The entire NBA was triggered at the thought that Kevin Durant would even consider the possibility of going to Golden State during the season. Those rumors came up like during the season, you know, people forget. And then when that series with OKC, when they were up 3-1, it went to seven games. Everybody was like, there's now, there's really no way. And then all of a sudden, when when Golden State lost in the finals, I was like, "All right, well, maybe there's a small chance." You know what I mean? And and but it was still like it was it would be so absurd. This is ridiculous. Why would KD do that? He loves Oklahoma City. Look at all these examples of all the things he's done for the city. Like there are other situations that make sense for him. Staying in Golden in Oklahoma City makes sense for him. They have Westbrook, Sam Presti makes a lot of good moves, and they'll put together a contender. And then, like, day two of free agency, he was like, no, nah, I'm signing with Golden State. You know what I mean? So it's like people get triggered, and I get it, because change is scary, and there's a possibility that the Lakers will be good again. And frankly, the re- the, the main reason people are mad is because everybody wants LeBron on their team. Whether they want to, like, outwardly admit that or acknowledge that or not, that's the reality. Um, because he is the best player in the NBA, and... 
and and I and I keep reading a lot of these arguments about how like okay, well the Lakers get LeBron, and that's no guarantee that you know he's going to he you know just get by getting LeBron even if he brings another star. That doesn't make you a contender. And my response to that is LeBron on pretty much any team in the NBA is a contender. I think we saw, like, and I and I and I hear the East versus West arguments, but guess what? If we are if we if we are a top three contender in the West, we're a contender to win the finals. It's not like in the East, right? In the East, your only chance of getting to the finals is you better be Boston or you better have LeBron. You know, yeah. no other team really has a chance. In the in the West, if you if you're in the top three, it's up for grabs. We saw Houston come very close this year. Well guess what? Houston might lose some guys. Trevor Ariza is a free agent this summer unrestricted. And Clint Capella is also a free agent, restricted. But if somebody offers Clint Capella a max contract, Houston has a very difficult decision. Do they want to match that or not? If they do match that, that pretty much means Trevor Reese is not coming back because they're going to be at such a high tax level that Trevor Reese is going to be a way more expensive player than he's probably worth in their eyes. So that's losing some depth. Houston rolls back the same team. Chris Paul gets hurt every year, it feels like. You know, so that that knocks them down a peg. Golden State, we kind of saw like, okay, yeah, they swept the finals against a weak Cavs team, but no, every dynasty eventually comes to an end. Like, not to say Golden State is going to roll over and not be the same team. They're still going to have Steph. They're still going to have Clay, Draymond, and, and KD. But eventually, even the most indestructible force teams can't. They just can't maintain that high of a level forever. Am I saying the Lakers will win the championship the first year they sign LeBron and Paul George if they do if they do that? No, they will not probably. You know, will they put themselves in a, in a position where maybe the next year they will be a serious contender? I think yes, okay. Once you sign LeBron and Paul George and you have all this young depth and that depth is not going anywhere by the way because none of those young players after we sign Randall are going to be up for an extension, you know, so next summer. So all those guys are still going to be here. They're all going to be a year older. They're all going to have a year of playoff experience and playing with LeBron. And even if LeBron starts to taper a little bit, Paul George is pretty much entering, if not, he, Paul George is basically in the prime of his career right now. So he will continue to be in the prime of his, his career. He can carry a little bit more of the load. And LeBron is the best player of all time. And there's, excuse me, one of the best players of all time. And there's no, Nothing to suggest that he won't continue to adapt his game as he gets older. You know, we've already seen it as, as early as this year. He's been playing in the post way more, or at least in the mid-post, way more than I've ever seen him play. And I think that kind of stuff is going to continue to evolve with his game. So for people to say that it makes no sense, it's just like also sometimes people just make lifestyle choices. You know what I mean? Right. LeBron is not in a position where he's 33 and he's never won, and oh god, he better win one so he can cement his legacy. Anywhere he, he, I think he's like mature enough and old enough and experienced enough at this point to know that you can go anywhere. You can't guarantee yourself a championship. You could get an injury like he did his first year in Cleveland when Kyrie got Kyrie and Kevin Love both got hurt in the playoffs. You can. Put yourself in the best situation superficially with the best teammates you think possible, and anything can happen. So 
you've already won three rings. You've been to the finals nine times. How about go to a place where you're going to be a contender because you have you and you probably can bring a star with you. You have a ton of depth and you have a team that's motivated to win. And if you don't win, you don't win, but you can, you're at least putting yourself in a position. Like I, I just, when people say that the Lakers are not going to be a contender, there's maybe five or six teams in the entire league that would not immediately become a contender with LeBron James added. Right. And the Lakers are not one of those teams. You know what I mean? The Lakers were 10, like not, not to say that we were like great last year. We won 35 games though, you know, or, or whatever we did. So we were like number 10 in the NBA. So you add LeBron to that team, that that team is, is going to get so much better. And that's just LeBron. You add Paul George also to the equation you're already making yourself one of the better teams in the conference. So I think you're actually getting to the point that I wanted to bring up, which is objectively what these people are saying really doesn't make any sense if they actually took a step back and analyze things. But the, the point is, I think over the last few years when the Lakers have been down, it's been en vogue to be a Laker hater and to discount everything that the Lakers have done. We've had some laughable moments, even in the times where we had draft picks, you know, the D'Angelo Russell snitching situation, you know, Lonzo Ball and his father. I think people, it's been cool and it's been, yeah, it's been hipster to hate hate on the Lakers and discount them in every way possible to the point where now there's a there's a very clear line where people can see the Lakers becoming good very, very quickly and all of a sudden becoming one of the top three teams in the league. And I think that's scaring people. I think that's where the insecurity comes, right? Where now that it's possibly becoming a reality that the Lakers could actually be good, people are like, they want to discount us till the very end, till they actually see it happen, if that makes any sense. And there's no doubt that even if LeBron James and Paul George comes, people will find a way to discount the Lakers by discounting the young core and saying, the only reason why these guys are good are because of LeBron James and et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's hilarious that people are so worked up and triggered because you can just, it's the, the mental gymnastics that people are taking to say, I don't understand why he would come here. Even if he comes here, what's that going to do? It, it's kind of bewildering to me. You know, you talk about LeBron James to any other team and they would find a way to make that team a finals contender. But because it's the Lakers, they're like, ah, oh, no, this is a mess. Why would he want to get involved with this LeVar Ball stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know if you had any final thoughts on that. And my last thoughts on that are... I think this is the what I'm about to say is the case. And I think based on statements that Magic Johnson has clearly made in interviews that we talked about, I think, during the season, it is not the case that you need three superstars to win. People keep saying, oh, so what big B- BFD, they get LeBron and Paul George, then what? What are they going to trade, gut the rest of their young core to go star hunting? Why is that the assumption? You know what I mean? LeBron, the Boston Celtics created the original big three, right? But they did that through a series of of trades, right? And, and and they still had some assets left over after all those trades to compile some depth. That team won one ring, okay? The next super team was the Miami Heat. And I think since the Miami Heat, I think the first Golden State Finals where they beat uh, Miami was like a shift in power. It's not necessarily all about stacking stars. And I know you're saying to yourself, well, this is a ridiculous argument when the Golden State Warriors with three of the best players of all time, or, you know, maybe not, maybe not three of the best players of all time, but three of the best players currently in the league are all on that team at the same time. And so how is that? 
guess what? Since as these role players on Golden State are getting older and as Golden State loses some flexibility to spend, you're seeing, as, as, as you saw this year, that this team is not the same as it was two years ago or even last year. You know, so Magic Johnson has said, I don't think it's a two, three superstar, the three superstar system works. I think it's better to have two stars if you can get them and then depth. You know, nobody will dispute that having more than one star is probably ideal because you can't just have LeBron out there in a Cleveland Cavs situation. Although I would argue our supporting cast is better already than the Cleveland Cavs supporting cast was this year. Mm -hmm. But it's more about the depth. And I just think that next season, and again, I don't know if any of this is going to happen, but if, if everything goes according to what we've been talking about it's going to feel so vindicating. Like I think we're all going to feel feel very vindicated when this team ball system that LeBron has never played in in his entire career because he's never had a coach that kind of ran the system is passing to all kinds of different guys, and like all of a sudden the narrative is going to shift from right now. You know, you can pin these tweets of all these reporters saying the Lakers have nothing and no way to help them to like middle of next season when the whole NBA is just a buzz about how much depth the Lakers have <laughs> and their depth is one, like one of their strengths. I think that everybody just assumes that we've been trash over here, but that's a fair assumption because they haven't been watching the games. You know, we've made so such a huge leap we took last year and we saw throughout the season, we won 35 games. How many games did we throw away? 10 because we couldn't close because all of our guys were 20 years old. You know, so those kinds of things are are gonna are gonna change for us, and I and I do think that Magic is going to be able to convince LeBron, hey, like this is not a, a, a three superstar situation. It's not going to be a three superstar situation here. If the right move arises, yes, we will go. We will try to make that move happen to the extent it makes sense. But we think. It's two superstars in depth is the way to win. You can't throw all your eggs into, you know, one basket with three guys. What I was trying to say before with the Miami thing was they had those three guys there. The only reason that worked is because LeBron is a complete freak of nature and was able to do so many things for that team. You didn't need a point guard because LeBron was your point guard. You didn't need a power forward because LeBron was your power forward. So that allowed Chris Bosch to slide over to the center. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's just... That's why those systems worked before. It's not necessary to win in that way. And and I think that, you know, the Spurs, who are always a contender, have proven you don't necessarily need more than two superstars to compete for a championship. And I think that, you know, we can show that again. And I think on top of it, the Boston situation recently with them keeping Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on deck, even Terry Rozier while also signing a guy like Al Horford first, and then after that they traded for Kyrie Irving, then they signed Gordon Hayward. All of those things happening in succession, but also them not totally overhauling all the youth to get more and more veteran superstars slash borderline all-stars. That kind of gives Palink and Magic some leverage in terms of trying to entice LeBron James to say, hey, you pick your second superstar, and from here let's work together to see, you know, we can eventually trade some of the young guys and flip them, but I think the best course of action would be let's trial them out first for the first half of the season because outside of the Kawhi thing, there's really no one I can see who's going to be available as quickly as this summer. So what I would like Rob Palenka and Magic to do is pitch exactly what you said and use Boston as an example and say, hey, 
longevity is the key here, and we can get more of that by holding on to our cost-effective young guys as long as possible. That's not to say we won't trade them, that we'll always keep them, but we don't want to enter into a situation where we just prematurely trade some of these guys before LeBron James and Paul George have even gotten a shot at playing with them, you know? And I think there's an example this past trade deadline too. I think Woj let it be known that Boston tried to trade for Kawhi Leonard uh, mid-season. And I think that package involved either Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or both. But because the Spurs rejected that trade, well, Boston had to sit on those two guys. And sitting on those two guys ended up being the best thing for them because those two guys ended up being, what do you know, studs. And they ended up helping the Boston Celtics go all the way to the Western Conference Finals, even with Kyrie Irving hurt. And now Boston's sentiments have entirely changed. They don't want to trade for Kawhi Leonard if it's going to cost them that steep price. But they would have never known that if they had done that deal, you know? And then they would have been left with a Kawhi Leonard who's like, I'm not ready to play. Or even if he had forced himself to play in the playoffs, may not have been a hundred percent. So I think Boston in in a multitude of ways gives us kind of like a template, as sad as it is to say, of kind of how to do it and also what not to do potentially. And I was just going to add that there's a huge argument out there that it's LeBron's MO to trade for veteran talent. And I just want to see examples of that. You know what I mean? It's, I think the moves that have been made in connection with LeBron in his past were just Like, duh, no-brainer moves. When LeBron went to Miami, the only young player who was traded from the previous season's roster was Michael Beasley. And at this point, everybody knew this guy was a drug addict who, like, wasn't going anywhere. You know what I mean? So that was not a huge dump. They actually had two other young players on the roster, Joel Anthony and Mario Chalmers, who they kept. And both of them ended up contributing to the the, uh, playoff and title runs. They ended up being pretty good even after LeBron James left them too. Mario Chalmers has had a solid NBA career, and exactly. I think you can credit a lot of that to playing with not only LeBron but Wade and Bosch too. So. Exactly, and I think the Cleveland one is another one where people point to it. Well, guess what? Cleveland was like kind of like us, okay? So they they had an abundance of talent. Sure, they shipped off some guys that didn't they didn't necessarily need. Tyler Zeller was shipped off in a salary dump to create room for LeBron. Tyler Zeller is nothing to like write home about. Okay. He's a solid player. He's fine. But are you telling me that that was a move made for that? LeBron was not even on the team. And then once LeBron gets on the team, Oh, okay. Well, they traded the pick for Kevin Love. Kevin Love at this time was, I think he had just come off a season where he averaged 26 and 12 and was an all-star. And I think he was all NBA and he was a lights out shooter and he was 26 years old. Okay. So you're trading an unknown 19, 20 year old Andrew Wiggins. Like you're not really sure what this guy's going to become to get Kevin Love. To me, that had nothing to do with, okay, maybe was the fact that they had LeBron a factor in making that trade? Perhaps. Would they have made that trade without LeBron? Also, perhaps. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a completely, at that time, was not a completely unreasonable trade and still is not a completely unreasonable trade. People just completely gloss over the fact that Kyrie Irving was 20 years old, 21 years old at the time. He could have netted you an established star. They kept Kyrie Irving. He had never played a playoff game. He could barely stay on the floor. Yes, he had made the all-star team. But he was a 20-point-per-game scorer shooting low percentages. He had more hype at that stage than he had actually proven anything on the court. Okay. Tristan Thompson, similar thing. He was, a, what was he, like a number two or four pick? He was top five. Yep. 
And yeah, so number four pick, that guy probably could have netted you something. But no, let's hold on to the this youth. And in fact, like, you know, they traded Zeller, they traded the number one pick, but then they added guys like Amon Shumpert, young guy. They they added Matthew Delavadova, who ended up being these two guys ended up being key contributors for them. You know, so it's I don't I just when people say it, I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, what about Mike Miller? What about Kyle Korver? Well, yeah. Guess what? When you have two maxes and one of them is LeBron, two plus maxes, then the only you don't have salary cap to go out there and sign mid level like young guys. You know, you the only thing you have money to do is sign veteran ring chasers. Other the the guys who are in their mid twenties are trying to make as much money as possible, so you're not going to be able to sign them. But you can sign veteran ring chasers, so that's why that tends to happen. That's not to suggest that our guys are going to be traded. I think we're going to keep our, like, we have a solid core of, like, five young guys who I think everybody accepts are the young core. We add Paul George and LeBron, that's seven. And I think we're going to probably, maybe maybe you add maybe a couple other guys that are kind of outside the young core but are still there. So let's say eight, and then maybe we sign, like, four vets. Okay, that doesn't mean that we're doing this necessarily for LeBron. We probably would have, we signed KCP, Brooke Lopez, we traded for Isaiah Tom. Like we kind of did all this stuff regardless of LeBron. So I just don't really buy that argument. Yeah, on top of it, the Cavs also kept Dion Waiters. He was traded midseason for Iman Shumpert and J.R. Smith, but they still trialed out Dion Waiters. So that should say something. You know what I mean? By midseason, they found out, all right, Dion Waiters, you know, he's not really working out on this team. We yeah. don't really need his skill set. So let's trade him. He had enough value to get them key contributors who won championships with LeBron or won a championship with LeBron and J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert. So that, that would be my pitch to LeBron. I guess to close this segment out, let's say he doesn't overhaul the roster like you're saying. Uh, I guess another concern of people is, Okay, let's say the young core is totally there. Randall, Kuzma, Ingram, uh, Lonzo, and Josh Hart. They're all there. Um, what about the people who are like, I just don't like the effect that he could potentially have on our group of young guys. I, I wish that they could have at least one more year to kind of just continue to play on their own, get comfortable, learn through their own mistakes, get more usage, and get that feel before this entire solar system like LeBron comes in and takes up all of that usage and relegates everybody to becoming Mike Miller and Kevin Love and Kyle Korver, et cetera, et cetera. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Because, I mean, LeBron is a solar system. We, we're, we'd like to hope that, yes, the context is different. He's eight years older at this point. Uh, maybe he's looking for a system, but we honestly don't know that yet. But yeah, what are your thoughts on people who are like, it could be detrimental to the young guy's development to have the first few years of their career be monopolized by the LeBron James show. Um, I think just quickly for me, I think too many people, when they throw that argument out, they're, they're seeing the lower usage that the guys are getting as immediately a detriment to their development. And for me, I just don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't think that's a given. Um, six to seven years at most, I think that's how many years LeBron James has left. And in seven years, and you touched upon it earlier, like Lonzo Ball is going to be 27, 28. Brandon Ingram is going to be 28. I mean, these guys are going to be hitting their primes. And I just don't see a scenario where even if they get less touches and aren't able to shoot as much as they want to or dribble the ball as much as they want to, I just don't see a scenario where coming out of the LeBron James experience in their primes as 27, 28, 29-year-olds that they won't be good players, especially after the seven to eight 
Western Conference Finals or Finals games that they've played at that point. You know what I mean? And even if looking at Kyrie Irving, like you said, he was just a middling 20-point scorer on a 25-win team, making all-star games but not really going anywhere, kind of running on a hamster wheel. But now he's a Finals MVP who can take over his own team in the Boston Celtics and potentially win a championship on his own. And Mario Chalmers is, was a serviceable player till he tore his Achilles or whatever injury he had. Tristan Thompson still has a career, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the fact is, it's just a small sample size of this occurring for LeBron James. So we can't really even say that whenever LeBron James enters an ecosystem like the Lakers, where there's four or five young core players that him taking away all of their usage and not allowing them to kind of grow on their own is going to be a detriment six to seven years down the line. We just don't know that, you know? So I think people are automatically removing any of the positives that could potentially come from a scenario like that. And and to add to that, I just don't see even it being that extreme. You know what I mean? When you say talk about 27, 28 years old, I think LeBron has four years, maybe five, if he's already played 15 years in the NBA. He came in at a high school. So he's, that's why he's 33, but he's played and he's played a full career already. The only reason he would play five more is if he had some weird, like internal motivation to hit 20, kind of like Kobe did. Okay. But at that point, LeBron James is not Kobe and I love Kobe, but they're different. In this respect, and I think probably for the purposes of our future in a good way, LeBron does not strike me and nothing in his career that he's done, I think would lead either of us to believe that he is going to make it the LeBron James show when he's on his way out. You know, this is a different situation than Kobe, where Kobe was here for 20 years, and it's like, fine, do whatever the hell you want, like throw a parade for yourself and <laughs> during halftime every day, I don't care. <laughs> You know, but it's it's just that I don't really see that happening. If LeBron, the max number of years we could sign LeBron is four years. And if we sign him to those full four years, which we might not because he might just do his like one plus one thing he keeps doing. But if we sign him to those, those uh, uh, four years, he will have played in the league for 19 years. He'll be like 38 years old. I think that's the end. You know what I mean? And if that's, if that's how it goes, by the time he's done, B.I. and Lonzo are going to be 24. That's when most elite young players just barely are starting to enter their prime and like really get that tangible good experience in the playoffs. And by that time, these guys will have already been to the like finals multiple times probably and will have gone deep in the playoffs four years at least. Whereas if LeBron doesn't come, there's a good chance we don't make the playoffs next season. And God knows what happens the year after that. You know, so you just can't keep punting and punting and saying, well, one day, well, one day, well, one day. You don't know what's going to happen one day. You know, maybe one of our guys, God forbid, but maybe one of our guys gets a career-ending injury. They're okay. You had three number two picks, and now two of them are gone because you traded one and one is out forever. You know, so or like one doesn't less, less morbid. One doesn't develop into what you who you thought he was going to be, and he's just kind of like a role player okay, then you're kind of screwed, right? So I just think that I get that, I get that, but I think that LeBron and everything he's done in his career has just proven that he, if the only thing he's going to do is enhance these guys. And he's, he's just so not selfish. And I think everything that we praised Lonzo Ball for over the course of the season, that's what LeBron brings to a team. 
He's not about me. You see it in the end of games, and he gets criticized for it. Oh, he doesn't have the killer instinct. No, this dude was wide open. That's why he passed him the ball. <laughs> and more often than not, that helps them win games. You know, you could say Kobe had the killer instinct. Kobe had the killer instinct. And I know it's two different situations, but, you know, maybe, who knows? It's pointless to speculate, but I'm just going to throw it out there for, you know, just for this purpose. Who knows how many more games, important games, the Lakers would have won if Kobe passed to the open guy instead of just taking the fadeaway three with three defenders in his face. He hit many of those, so, you know, we got to reap the benefits. But LeBron empowers his teammates, and I think he will do the same thing with these. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, you you brought up Kobe and LeBron James, and my, my last question to you is there's this just inherent dilemma and tension between Lakers, and maybe they're more Kobe fans than anything, and LeBron James. Uh, just what makes it for you? I, I know there was a period in time in your life when you hated LeBron James because, one, you're Kobe and you're a Laker fan. But what makes it for you? How are you able to make that shift in your head where you're okay with bringing in a guy like LeBron James and there's not that cognitive dissonance of, oh, God, I'm going to have to say that LeBron James is better than Kobe and I'm going to somehow have to wrap around wrap th- my head around the fact that this guy's wearing purple and gold and at one point in time I really hated him. I, I guess for me, and maybe people are different on this, when to the extent I really dislike LeBron James, it was, I'm talking like 2009, you know what I mean? Like he was getting so hyped as like the best player of all time and he had only made it to the Eastern Conference Finals I think once or past the Eastern Conference Finals once in eight years in the NBA. And to me, that was when Kobe was winning his MVPs, right? So, like, and we were winning championships. So I was sitting there like, well, why is everybody talking about this guy who has not done anything? Mm. We should all be talking about Kobe and how great he is right now. I shifted a long time ago, though. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I will say the f- up, up to when Miami won their first one, which I can't remember at this point what year that was, 2012 or something, I still didn't like LeBron. I, I felt like he kind of, you know, cheaped it out and, and, and punked out and went the easy way and got carried to a finals. I think I shifted after the second, when they won the second one, because I watched that series. Okay. And LeBron, he took, he used everything he had to win that series. And I felt like from that point on, he was a different player. And, you know, maybe I was too critical of him early in his career because I feel like he's been that second championship player ever since we've seen this guy do completely insane things, carry teams of scrubs, carry injury, injury depleted teams to the finals. And you can say we conference or not, but he's won the finals with, with those types of teams too. You know what I mean? Or at least made deep runs. So I, to me, there's no dissonance. Kobe is Kobe. LeBron is LeBron. Just because people like Kobe, does that mean you have to hate magic Johnson? Or say that one is better than the other necessarily. Like LeBron is going to be here for four years, you know. Just because Kareem was here for more years than Wilt, do we have to say we hate one or the other? I don't think that's necessarily the case. I I think it's possible, and this sounds stupid to say, but you can like LeBron and also appreciate everything Kobe did. And if your opinion is that LeBron had a better career and is a better overall player than Kobe, that's fine. And if your opinion's the reverse, also fine. You know, (laughs) I I just don't think that, I just think it's so silly to get caught up in that kind of stuff. Kobe's been out of the league for two years. We'll never forget what he did. We'll always appreciate those years he gave us and all the amazing memories we had. 
now we'll have like three years with LeBron. You know what I mean? It's like three, four years with LeBron. Maybe we'll get him at his peak performance level for two of those. So it's just going to be a different thing. You know, he's going to be here and he's going to transition. He's not going to be the same player. He's still going to be really damn good because he's amazing, but he's not going to be the same player. And I just don't think you have to be like, oh, well, well, now I have to, I have to say LeBron is, is better. No, it's just like LeBron's on the Lakers, so now you like him. How many players? <laughs> he's a superstar, so it makes it weird. But how many players did we hate? And the second they joined the Lakers, it's like, oh, God, I love that guy. Matt Barnes. Yeah. Matt Barnes was hated by Lager players. And then when we had him, it's like, this is the type of guy you want on your championship team. You know, Meta World Peace would literally try to kill Kobe in the playoffs. Okay. And then the second he was on our team, we all loved him. So it, it's like, same, same thing as that. And I, I just think that we haven't been in this situation in such a long time that people are, for some reason, not paying attention to that. Yeah, I guess the difference between those players you listed out, though, is that LeBron James at one point was, you know, neck and neck with Kobe Bryant. And so there's that insecurity amongst Kobe stands to, you know, have to actually say, oh, God, this guy really did have the better career, et cetera, et cetera. But I totally get all of your points, and I've actually shifted on that as well. Um, lastly, if you have time at all, do you see any – does the, the, the fact that it feels like a cheat code, does that enter your calculus at all? Or do you understand people who hold that view that it's, like, narratively not that great to just get this guy who's been a mercenary all his life and all of a sudden oh we just got LeBron James this feels like a cheat code or has the dynamics of the NBA changed so much where you see the landscape and and you're like dude it's an arms race and it's not even a given that if LeBron James comes where it's going to be an easy road to the finals given the way that Golden State has constructed itself the way that Boston has constructed itself the way that teams like Philly are on the up and coming so does that enter your thought at all the fact that man, this feels like a cheat code and I'd rather have a guy like Paul George or DeMarcus Cousins who've never won a championship before. And wouldn't it be such a greater story that those guys come together having never won a championship and they win it together along with the young guys? No, because nothing in the league is guaranteed. And when Mm. you have a chance to make your move, you make it and you don't look back. Was it a cheat code when the Lakers, because they were the biggest franchise in the NBA, were able to just go out there and buy basically buy Shaq from Orlando? That wasn't a cheat code. At that, you know, I'm sure nobody complained at that time. Yeah, I get that Shaq had not won at that time, so it's a little bit different. But it's it is what it is, dude. We're in the business of winning championships, and if we even want our young guys to continue this dynasty of winning championships, they're going to have to have somebody who shows them how they can push themselves to get to that level. Level, and I think LeBron is that guy. Agree with you 100%. And with that said, we'll close the segment out. LeBron James. It's lit. This is what Flo from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more cake. Yep, 
Even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.